the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's get you to retirement. Let's talk about the markets. We can talk about the SECURE Act. Um, We're going to be talking a lot about the SECURE Act at the big event coming up right around the corner, Thursday, February 6th in Palo Alto. You can learn more by going to robloxshow.com and using code RADIO25 to get in for free. But before we get there, let's get to the stock market and talk a little bit about where we're at. Interesting start uh, to the year. The whole Iran thing kind of put the start of the year on, like, what are we actually looking at for the year? Because that was a little bit of a curveball. It wasn't just this normal first five days of the year. Let's get over our hangover from New Year's Eve. Let's see how the markets are looking. Do we feel positive? There was a kind of a potential war issue that flared up. Positive bias today on the stock markets. If you take a look around, the reasoning for that is probably because the U.S. and China are on track to sign that phase one trade agreement on Wednesday. Would I be surprised if negotiations broke off last second? Nope. But at this point in time, fingers crossed, we're going to the chapel and we're going to get married. We're going to make a baby. A lot of foreign trade between U.S. and China expected in the future. The fruits of our labor of getting through phase one. We don't know what phase two is, but we know phase three is big profits. The translation of all of this, you know, future agricultural commitments. Over 50% of Iowa wants to reelect President Trump, according to some poll that I saw. I'm not a polling expert. I'm not a politician in any way, shape, or form. But Iowa is known to be a bunch of farmers. And when we have a bunch of Chinese dollars coming their way, after going through a 2018-19 where the United States government subsidized the farmers for their losses to China, which is a weird concept, um... It should be fingers crossed. See, I am an optimist after all, and a romantic. This week's going to produce some important earnings, because we are in earnings season at this point in time. J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, U.S. Bank Corp, Morgan Stanley, and BlackRock. All those are big financial institutions, and they all deal with basically keeping our economy greased and, and... Keeping things moving forward with loans, servicing of loans, that can give us a lot of information. Small business startups that they service. So anytime those companies have a positive trend, feel good about it. 
again, I'm in the business of if you get five feel-good flags, that's good. If you get five signs of trouble, that's bad. Whatever the number is for you, get comfortable with it. Um, Have 20 things that you can write down and say that's true. Five below has produced fourth quarter earnings warning. It had some good, some bad. Biotech space and price target increase for five below. Tesla got an outperform in a three a price target of six hundred and twelve bucks. I will say this. Not since the late nineties, mid nineties, has Wall Street had such a problem pricing a company correctly. It seems inefficient. There was a football club that I liked growing up called the Green Bay Packers. And I want to say in my teenage years, I'm not a big football enthusiast or anything like that. But the Packers were always frustrating. They would win their first four, lose their next four. Win their next four, lose their next four. Or they win one, lose seven, win seven, lose one. And it was just damn erratic. And you're like, if you could ever get rid of those inconsistent periods, you'd be a playoff team. And they never were. And when you're eight and eight or seven and nine or nine and seven in the NFL, you never get much better because you're not getting the draft picks. I don't know if that's totally true, but just work with me. He's talking sports. <laughs> I'm a man after all, right? So um Tesla's been inconsistent, like a six hundred and twelve price target from three eighty five. And again, I'll, I'm the first one to admit I cannot analyze Tesla. I see them as burning too much cash. And that's a problem for me in the long run. In the short run, I think Elon Musk is one of the craziest geniuses of all time. What he's done for the electric vehicle market is pretty impressive. Would Ford GM, would Tesla, would, uh, not Tesla, Toyota, would any of them have the offerings that they have if there wasn't a competitor in a budding space to push them? And not just with with cheap. Like, for instance, I thought the first Toyota Prius was one of the cheapest cars made. It felt like when you're in it, um, hey, uh, we should pull up to the 17th hole. Uh, we should play through. It felt like a golf cart. And now they're a little bit better. But if it wasn't for Tesla, uh, I don't think there would be a need to improve the, the Prius. Because, I don't know. Tesla's considered the Palo Alto Prius. <laughs> I love that. It was a slight insult to Palo Alto. You can't say we're a Prius. <laughs> Prius is an insult. Yes, it's true. So the U.S.-China trade deal is about to be signed. That may be something that colors the market this week. Because it's a Wednesday story. We get earnings starting to come in. We now scratch our heads halfway through the month of January and go, hey, did we just have a January effect there? Or was that geopolitical tensions getting really tense and then really lightening up? January effect is the idea that stocks tend to rise in the first month of the new year because people are like, hey, I have money. And fun flows start to come. January is bonus time for some Americans. People are saving and investing excess earnings. People are resetting their 401k who maxed out last year. It's a big month for cash coming to the markets, January is. January 2018 and January 2019 were the biggest month of the year for the stock bond inflows. 
cash money, cold, hard money. So um, stocks go up over time. Percentage of the time that stocks rise by the month. 60% in January, 60% in February, 65% of the time stocks rise in March, 75% in April, 70% in May. June's at a paltry 55%, July 60%, August 55%. September is the damnation month. Do you buy stocks or not? September, they're only up 50% of the time. So I just went through 10 months, October 65, November 75, December 75. I just went through some months, and there's only one month where stocks aren't up 50% of the time. And people tell me the stock market's a roller coaster. If by roller coaster you mean constantly going up, working its way higher, woohoo! Without a lot of falls, I guess it's the falls that make people really nervous. But isn't it fun too? You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Big retirement income and tax planning seminar coming up with some new tax laws in February 6th at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. You can learn more by signing up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. So you know, the person you're listening to, that you're the little Buddha on the mountain this morning in the world of finance. I'm not a car guy. Never take car advice from me. Porsche delivered 280,800 vehicles to customers in 2019. I'm like, is that a lot? I know the U.S. auto market. A not-so-good year, 16.5, 16 million. Auto sold brand new automobile with a sticker price of 16, 16.5 million is a good number. 17, 17.5 million is a very good number. Anything under $16 million starts to get like, uh-oh, there's going to be layoffs. I don't know how many Porsches it takes to add up to greatness. Not a Porsche guy. Um, but 280,800 vehicles is the most ever sold for the German brand. That's kind of interesting, right? You go, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, growth was particularly strong in Europe. Makes you wonder that... Is there kind of a backlog of the Trump administration going after European tariffs? And maybe, maybe, but probably not. So Porsche's largest markets are the United States and China. In the United States, sales accounted for a 7% rise. In China, 8% rise. They've got a couple models that are just powering growth, the Cayenne and the Macan. Macan! Macan! Now, 2020 is going to be a big year for Porsche versus Tesla. I know you're saying, didn't they just make a movie about that? Wasn't that the Marvel Man versus Philip Morris? No. Wasn't there something about Porsche versus the Dodge Viper? There was something like that last year. But long story short, Porsche's going to go against Tesla this year with an all-electric Taycan. Four-door sedan. 155 miles per hour top speed, 253 mile range. The Porsche. The Porsche. I named my daughter Porsche. 
Uh, I don't have a daughter. The Porsche Taycan is priced at $103,800. If you want to get the slightly improved battery model version, battery plus model, $110,380. Think about the states that have that 10% sales tax. Woo! Buying that puppy in Oregon is cheaper than buying that puppy in California. So, um, yeah, Porsche's going to take on Tesla this year with an all-electric kind of high-end car. That's kind kind of interesting, right? A little bit. Um, if you were to say that Tesla didn't get the best out of uh, Toyota's Prius, they're going to get a good challenge out of Porsche. And again, who would rather? I don't know. I don't know. Now it's kind of, I think I see so many Teslas on the road. I'm like, I, I don't think there's that much claim to fame there. But then again, I live in California where it's kind of a lot of them. I would have to imagine the 25-mile radius of my home. It has to be the Tesla capital of the world. Tesla stock reached an all-time high today, $500 a share. I've been right about this stock. I've been wrong about this stock. So the stock's been on a tear since reportedly uh, having a, a surprisingly profitable quarter. Companies entrance into China in strong year and delivery numbers have driven the stock higher. I get nervous when I see things like... CEO Elon Musk has emailed all employees and asked them to work double, triple, quadruple overtime, but without pay, so they could hit their delivery numbers. I get some of those people have stock options, and I get it, but to me, it always feels weird that there's those last-second pushes. And again, I'm trust me, I know that when I'm getting a 50% off email from Banana Republic, it's all about, our quarter's not going that great over at Gap. Can we uh, get the Banana Republic or, good golly, the uh, Old Navy product working better? Uh huh? Tesla stock's been on a tear this quarter. Uh, $250 to $500. Taking into account equity, debt, and cash. Detroit automakers have significantly higher total valuations that Ford would be worth the most with a total enterprise value of $154 billion, followed by GM at $132 billion. Tesla's market cap's $90 billion right now. Now, again, there's different ways of valuing companies with market cap versus, um, you know, with equity, debt, and cash excluded or included to reach higher valuations. Um Tesla's super premium priced. And I'll be interested to see how this year plays out with the Porsche. The battle of the really fast vehicles. <laughs> Which eh, just isn't me. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Apple's higher today. It almost feels expected. The sentiment can also be said that of the semiconductor space where we're seeing semiconductors up almost on a day-over-day basis. There's a couple days where they take off, but it's been a strong start to the year. Oil prices are retreating. They artificially went higher with the threat or the veil of war or the odds or the chances of war potentially heating up between Iran and the United States. Or maybe even not on a war. Retaliation? I don't know. But oil's come down, which made that short-term drop in airlines a buying opportunity. It made the situation in oil where it artificially went up. Uh-oh. Maybe you should have shorted it because it came right back down. 
But then you get the kind of long-term winners or medium-term winners from an Iran-U.S. war that did or did not happen. And you get defense contractors. Now, that's one of the weirder things that I'm going to stop and say, time out. Let's talk about this. You could invest in defense contractors. It's pretty messed up to think about all the things you can invest in. Uh, five below, down 17% today. Lululemon, up 3% today. Upbeat guidance on the athleisure world. Netflix, up 5 bucks, up 1.8%. Where last September, this is exactly where Netflix dropped to. Right in the height of the Mandalorian and Disney Plus mania. It fell right here. And then it started to move higher again. So it, it's, it basically said, we, we're sold out of, uh, we're done going lower. We're done going lower. They couldn't get any more sellers last time they were at these levels of 334. So that, that could be your interesting time to jump in. Again, consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. You don't need individual stocks to become a winner. A winner like me. You just need a nice cologne. Slap it on both sides and start your day off fresh. Oh, what I was going to say is it's weird that you can invest in like Lululemon and Netflix and or defense contractors. You can invest in companies that make missiles and systems that kill people or protect the freedoms of Americans. Uh, pretty odd little thought, right? If you could invest in a nuclear bomb, that would be like your one short or so your one long in case things go bad in the world, depending on your outlook in the world. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, more. Come learn about starting the year off right, February 6th in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Big seminar coming up on a Thursday night. You can sign up at Rob Black's show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Okay, I'm Rob Black. There's some areas that I'll probably skimp on you as far as content goes. The details of the U.S.-China trade deal is one of them. I can tell you the basic idea is it's a much-anticipated phase one. There's a lot of areas like financial institutions that will benefit as well as agricultural companies and agricultural equipment companies. Um, but a lot of things were not accomplished, including relationships and approaches to cyber intrusions. Um, subsidies from the government to their private sectors that are competing with our public sectors. If China decides that one day they want to become the world's biggest aircraft maker, and right now it still benefits from them to buy from Boeing and Airbus. But one day, I promise you, China will say, we want to be the world's creator. We want to be the next Boeing so in the short term, we're going to start this industry, and we know we can't ramp as fast as the United States can ramp up production. But we're going to subsidize these employers and employees of China Aircraft Design, whatever the name of the fictional company is going to be. And the government says, you don't have to make money. In fact, you could sell that plane for $10 that Boeing's selling for $100 million or $10 million or $1 million. 
we will let you lease those and count those as revenue. In fact, you don't even have to pay taxes. Oh, you want a, a new factory? We'll, we'll make one for you. So when you get into government subsidizing industries, and again, trust me, it happens. Every country does it in some levels. It creates unfair business practices with other countries. Uh, the United States probably, I'm not going to say the most abused of all those, but it happens. And then you get the cyber intrusions, and then you get issues related to state-owned enterprises and anti-monopoly measures. The whole state-owned enterprises is, is really sticky. At any point in time when there's a company like a Starbucks that says, we're going to expand in China, or Kentucky Fried Chicken that says, we're going to expand in China. There's always that threat of China saying, get out of our country. Google once had a pretty good foothold in China. And then it was learned that at any point in time, China could say, hey, by the way, we need all the passwords of anyone that ever said anything negative about us, um, including our own citizens. And Google had to say bye-bye. And they still constantly fight like internally on losing that market and what, how they can get it. You saw Tim Cook got skewered at the Golden Globes for having sweatshops in China. And I've never been to one, and I don't know the certain conditions. I do know I have a love of my phone, and that human rights violations... Eh, I get the feeling they're being probably overlooked more often than not. Like, do you remember a couple of years, not a couple of years ago, probably a decade ago, a decade plus a couple of years... Kathy Lee Gifford, America's sweetheart, went on a tirade about goods made in America. And about two days later, the Internet lit up with, uh, you have sweatshops down in Mexico, lady. <laughs> like, you have no right to be you know, chastising uh, human rights abuses in Asia when there's something happening right here in your own backyard with your line of clothing. It's tough to be a critic today, isn't it? Jeff Bezos is getting slammed for his donation to Australia. And I don't know how I feel about this because it's not my money. Um, and I, I believe that if you are lucky enough to be wealthy, that you there is some giving back in your lifetime that should happen, not the day of you're on your deathbed. But Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos announced that Amazon is donating to the recovery efforts of Australia. Not Jeff Bezos is donating, but Amazon is. A lot of critics are saying the contribution's not enough. Isn't this amazing? You can be charitable, but that's not good enough. Bezos revealed on Instagram. Now, how much do you think he, he gave that got scrutinized? Six, well, one million Australian dollars, but unfortunately the Australian dollar suffers from American dollar envy. And um, it's only worth about $690,000 in U.S. dollars. And Bezos tied in for needed provisions and services. Our hearts go out to all Australians as they cope with these devastating bushfires. Now, critics are slamming Bezos for not doing more. Bezos' net worth is $116 billion. So... I don't know. I know this is coming at me at some point in time. You can do better. What a shame. Wrote one Instagram user. For a company like Amazon to donate this little is an insult. 
million dollars. It's a million dollars. Again, I don't know the cost of this disaster. I don't know the scale of this disaster. But to criticize someone for donating, we, we hit new levels of shaming people on a regular basis. Um, I hope he just doesn't turn his back on the world. Like, oh, you don't want my money, then away I go. I think he just turned 56, by the way. I think I was just reading about that. Um, yeah, so some people were like, Jeff Bezos makes $149,353 a minute. His company board reviews to pass a climate proposal. He just donated less than five minutes of work to Australia. Okay, now that's kind of interesting. Again, th- these are future purchasers when Twitter gets mad at you. And one Twitter voice is easily a thousand Twitter voices, just like it takes one person to complain to a radio station. Oh, I didn't like what that guy said about the president, even though maybe I said something different. You just heard it different or you only heard a tenth of a second. But Bezos makes one hundred forty five nine thousand dollars a minute. Are we questioning his wealth generation skills or are we questioning his lack of a climate proposal from his company? I don't know. The median American household income was $63,179. Jeff Bezos' donation of 690000 to Australia's recovery is roughly 0.000063% of his net worth. People could certainly spend other people's money quickly, right? And as a gossip nation, we could certainly talk about how people could live better. Oh, that person's not going to... You know, church enough. Oh, that person's going to church too often. Oh, that person's going to the wrong church. Oh, that person's like, we are a catty nation with a lot of opinions. Now, not everyone was um, quick to slam Jeff Bezos. One Instagrammer was kind of like, summed it up correctly. Stay grateful. Amazon Australia said support would include donating needed items to groups on the front lines, cash donations to relief agencies, in-kind technical support to other government agencies. It's a lot going on. And I'll be honest with you. In Northern California, we've gone through wildfires pretty regularly now for the better part of three of the last five years. We're a little jaded. Um, we don't have the scope of it until you see the size of Australia and you see the the where their wildfires hitting. Ours in Northern California hitting Northern California. Theirs are all around the nation. So I find it interesting that Jeff Bezos is getting shamed. I think the 2020s may go down as the generation or the decade of shaming people. I'm reading more hard research on Wall Street about airlines suffering potentially from flight shaming. Flight shaming would be someone like an influencer, and I am not saying this is her, but someone like Miley Cyrus. Um, I'm just trying to give you some context of something, posting a vacation of her on, uh, posting a picture vacation of her in Guam, and people going, Guam, did you really have to fly all the way to Guam to get a a wonderful tropical setting? Did you have to fly in a private plane? We hate you. And then suddenly hundreds of thousands of younger people hate her, and her music doesn't sell anymore. Flight shaming is going to be very, 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 uh, it's going to be a story. Shaming. If we could say that's not giving enough money. If Twitter allows, it's the opposite of 1990. 
um, it's the opposite of oppression. It's what we feared going into the end of the 20th century of government like spying on us. And now it's just each other spying on each other and shaming each other. That's just my opinion. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't forget, the new start of the year means you get to start funding your 401k again. Um, if you look at your results from last year, you're like thrilled because a lot of people put money in in January. And in January, the market was struggling. And then they continued to put money in throughout the year. And by the end of the year, we had a roaring good year. I don't know if 2020 is going to be as roaring good of a year. If I get one up 30% year every five to 10 years on Wall Street, I feel that's like a lot. So don't look forward to do it again and again and again. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. The phase one trade accord with China is expected to be signed this week. But get this, the two sides haven't finalized a deal yet. What would happen if they said we need to extend it a week? I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Big event coming up in Palo Alto, February 6th, Thursday night. Learn about income and retirement and much, much more. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Let's get you to retirement. There's going to be topics that I really can't hit and that you really, really don't want me to hit. I'm not good at politics. I'm not good at a lot of things. So I try to stay away from it. I'm good about talking about big picture issues and getting you excited with low cost investing. That story has been 30 years in the making as I've seen commissions go from $400 a transaction to free. I've seen the paperwork. The barriers to entry used to be you had to prove worth. You had to prove class status, essentially, when you were signing up for a brokerage firm back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Um, It started to change, and it's super easy. You could have an account with an Acorns and round up some of your investment purchases, or not your investment purchases, but your retail purchases, and turn them into investment decisions. And there's so many ways to invest now. 401ks are the, probably the easiest and best way. 401k is very similar to a 403b or 457. They're just vehicles that the corporations that you work for offer you. Some of those 401k, 403b, 457 designations are tied towards nonprofit or profit, but they serve the same purpose of a vehicle that can you can put in the right components to get you to retirement or help supplement retirement at the very, very worst, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about money and t- retirement and more. Um, <laughs> let's see what else we have here. Um, taking a look at the broader markets, and this is... I should stop and say this a little bit more regularly. The S&P 500 is one market. There's hundreds of markets around the world. Um, And they don't always tie in together. And you could probably say, and I don't think this is being too cliche or too rudimentary, that 
the S and P five hundred and the Nasdaq. Well, like the Nasdaq represents a lot of the growth companies in the United States that have growth footprints into international markets. Like Intel doesn't just sell their semiconductors in the North America; they sell them all around the world. Um, same thing with S and P five hundred. It's it's some of the biggest companies in the world, like a Disney who doesn't just sell their films in, in the United States, but they sell their films across the world, right? That doesn't always work when you get into like the smaller type of markets, like a Russell 2000, which they're smaller companies. And they tend to be more regional. Um, but then, again, like a foreign market, like an Asian Nikkei market, that may be, to you, representing you know, the growth of the population of Asia, the uh, modernization of Asia. Whereas, like, for instance, if you went with an African fund, and there's African funds out there, they haven't really appealed to me in the past. I don't, to me, and again, the way you approach markets and the way you view them as maybe the U.S. is more based on capitalism or greed, whatever you want to say. Asia is more based on volume growth, of getting a lot of uh, poor people in the middle class, a lot of middle class people into upper classes. Africa has a more of a wild, wild west feel to it, which probably has a lot more upside and a lot more downside, both in the short term and medium term, right? So it's it's a crazier type market, a lot less regulation, a lot younger companies, a lot of government corruption. It's tough to invest in a China 20, 30 years ago when we didn't know if China was going to ever open up their markets. We knew about Tiananmen Square. We knew that it was a closed country. We knew that they were communists. But then, slowly but surely, they were like, we like that capitalism dollar. So the same thing could be said on a much rawer level, more raw level, of what's going on in the African continent and the amount of change and growth there. Europe, their banks have been around for hundreds of years, sometimes literally hundreds of years, like the Capilots borrowed a lot of money from Romeo's family, right? Romeo, Romeo, wherever I thought Romeo. Um, you know the best thing about Shakespeare and uh, what's the detail in his plays? Romeo and Juliet took took place in the summer in, like, I want to say, Florence. But it was it was 114 degrees that summer, according to the text. And uh, that's kind of... Uh, hot weather that will make teenage kids do crazy stuff because Romeo and Juliet were 14 years old and they were in love hot weather and young people make crazy things happen Ford versus Ferrari was the big movie this year it's going to be Tesla versus Porsche it'll be a real life kind of event 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air I have a question for you Apple is seemingly hitting a 52-week high daily. You could say it's a $1.4 trillion company right now, right? And it had problems with $1 trillion. I was like, oh, that's a big number. It's going to have like, a lot of people had... Tesla's hitting an all-time high. Do you see a correlation of speculation going on? Or does that bother you? Or is that, like, endearing? Tesla's above 500. It's doubled in the last 90 days. Um... I ask because, like, uh, uh, some of these tells that people have, sometimes they don't have. 
was asking my producer, I'm like, do you believe it when a commercial promises this? And do you believe it when a person says this? And I think when we're younger, we're a lot more naive and we're like, hey, maybe there, maybe someone is going to whisper the secret of the stock market in my ear. Doesn't happen like that. I try to cut down on your mistakes and sometimes it's tough love. Um, I hope you work with that. That uh, I, I dig everyone and I want everyone to get to retirement. And sometimes it's best if I were to say, I wouldn't be a day, I wouldn't think like a day trader because you probably don't know a lot of day traders who are wealthy, who came from your circumstances. In fact, you probably don't even know of any day traders who are wealthy. I don't. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.